Hey, welcome to ACF Church, and we're so glad that you're with us watching this message online. And our hope is that it would encourage you to be more like Jesus and walk closely with Him as an apprentice of Christ. And our hope is to give away all of these resources for free as much as possible. It takes a lot of time and energy and people to make that happen. And if you'd like to support the mission of God financially for ACF Church, you can go to acfak.org and you can give there. Now enjoy the Word of God proclaimed. somewhere. Oh, there it is. All right, I think we're ready to go. Hmm, how does this look? You like this spot? Yeah. All right, let's do it. They thought they were alone. But they were wrong. What is that? Oh, uh, it's probably nothing. Let's make a sandwich. That was definitely something. There's only one man who could save them. Open up, please! Open up! seen it before. It hunts like a wolf, runs like a man, and he's felt fear from a mile away. There's no escaping it, but there's got to be a way. It's here. You guys are any of these. What's that one? That's mine. with us. My name is Brian. I'm one of the pastors here. And uh, we are ACF Church. We are a community for the churched, the unchurched, and the dechurched. And look, I'm on the screen. That's awesome. So that's right. They'll figure it out. Uh, if, you're, if you're here, no matter what your church background is, we say this a lot, um, you don't have to believe to belong to be part of ACF. Uh, we're all on a spiritual journey, and so we're just glad that you're with us here tonight and hope that you can uh, see this as a place where you can ask questions. I know for me, when I grew up, uh, there was a lot of, uh, I was in a church that, that really wasn't open to questions. Questions meant that uh, maybe, maybe you didn't believe, and the reality was a lot of times I didn't. Uh, but I didn't have a safe place to ask those questions. And so one of the things that we have set out to do as a church community is to be a place where questions are welcome. You know, the, the doubts are something that we all have. And so we want to talk about our doubts, but ultimately we want to take a step forward in faith together. And so that's what we try to do every single week. And so uh, we have been in a series called Hunted. It's been a conversation about the spiritual battle. I hope for you uh, that you have acknowledged, at least at this point, that there is a battle that wages uh, in the unseen realm and that there is an enemy and there's a hunter that, that wants to steal, kill and destroy and take from you and, and take from your family and, and rob you of the full life that God wants for you. And so I know as we prayed about this series, this is the last week of this series, we prayed that more than anything, you guys would just begin to acknowledge that the enemy does exist and he is strong, but Christ is always stronger. And we're just going to stand on that as a church family. And, and uh, I'm excited about next week. We start a brand new series called One. And we're talking about how one of the most important things about the church in a culture of division and, and outrage is that we are unified in the name of Jesus. And, and it's such a unique phenomenon. It's, it's something that you don't see anywhere else in our culture is that people are unified. And so we're going to talk about how important that is, how that was really Jesus's last prayer uh, for the church was that they would be one. And so that's next week really excited about uh, talking through that. Uh, we're going to be skipping around a lot in the text here tonight, um, but I just want to kind of prepare you. I want us to dig into our souls a little bit this evening. I want to kind of bring some dark stuff into the light, and I want you to be willing to uh, kind of think back in your life about the journey that you've been on. 
and all the things that you've gone through that has brought you to this moment in time today, for better or for worse. And so just I'm asking you to participate in your heart and in your mind and that you'd be present here today. Can you do that? All right, so, so we're going to get there. So I'm going to start off in 2 Corinthians 10. And uh, the message tonight I've entitled, Death Rattle for the Devil. Death Rattle for the Devil. Here's what it says. It says, For though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine powers to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God, And take every thought captive to obey Christ. Next text I want to read as we start off is Ephesians 4, 26. It says this, Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. So I want to talk a lot about these topics here tonight of strongholds and footholds. So um, who here has had the joy of trying to buy property or a house in Alaska? Any of you homeowners? Okay, so you know it's a journey. It's a process trying to find the right, right house. You know, when we moved up to Alaska, um, we got to see some really interesting, like the house that Jack built type of situations where I'm like, is, you know, this house is being held up with like a couple of broomsticks, you know, and I mean, how's this foundation and digging underneath and oh, it's just some dude, you know, poured some rocks underneath and, you know, I'm like, this is not what I was looking for, something maybe with a better foundation. But what we started doing was looking at land. And it's hard to find good land to build on in this area. And what we found was this property. And we're looking through all the properties and we're like, why is this one so much cheaper than the rest? It was like way cheaper. And so we we zoomed in on the picture and we realized that it was one open lot surrounded by all kinds of other lots and, and that there was no access to the property. And so we thought, well, maybe we can figure this out. So I, I get this scheme. I'm like, I'm pretty good with people, right? Like, like I can build some friendships and maybe, just maybe, I can talk to one of these neighboring properties and they'll give us access to the land, right? And so I started doing this. I, we'd go for a walks around there and I'd, you know, knock on the door and say, hi, neighbor, you know, like we're just, you know, new to the area, looking to buy the property and then bam, slam the door on me. I mean, as soon as I would start talking about this property, everybody knew about it and no one wanted to sell it. It's really difficult. And I was like, why, why don't they want to do this? And, and honestly, as I, as I thought through it more, I thought, well, this makes sense. I mean, they don't really want to give me like access through their property. Like, because what you're going to have to do is, is, is kind of relinquish some authority of, of one part of your property that I would get to use to access, access the property that is behind yours. And here is ultimately, I think what they were scared of is that if they gave me access, they might lose control. Which is, which is right, right? Like, I mean, if you give them access, you don't know what's going to happen behind you. And so they were right to go, like, I'm going to kind of slam the door on this. I don't want some random person, you know, building or moving in behind me or having access to my property. You see, once they gave me access, I can essentially invade their property whenever I want. Who knows what kind of neighbor I'm going to be? They have no idea. And so this is something I want to talk about tonight when it comes to the strongholds in our lives. You see, what we've done, whether we realize it or not, is that in one area or another, we have given the hunter, who is the devil, access through the property of our lives. And I want to tell you, he's a terrible neighbor. He's not the kind of one you want to have, to have access to your life. But one way or another, through the, the circumstances of our lives, through the decisions that we've made, the hunter has had access to our lives. I was reading this week about something called trench warfare. And if you're a military person, you know that trench warfare is some of the most brutal kind of warfare because the enemy is dug in and fortified. He is dug in. He has a place. He has protection. He is fortified. And it's really, really difficult to access and to overcome that enemy. Now, what the military calls trench warfare, the Bible calls strongholds. Strongholds. Now, what is a stronghold? Here's a definition that I I just came up with this week is that a stronghold is a well-fortified mindset built with the wreckage of sin in our lives. It's the best way I could figure out to say it. As I look at the things in my life where the enemy has dug himself in, it's a well-fortified mindset, a way that I think, a way that I see the world that is built with the wreckage of sin in my life. The things that have gone wrong. I love what 2 Corinthians 10 Five said, it said, we destroy the arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God. So these arguments are, are, are these things that come in at us, these perspectives, these mental programs that we don't even realize are running in the background. Do you know this? 
That there are programs and, and there are narratives that are running in the background of your mind, whether you know it or not, and they are affecting how you see yourself. They're affecting the decisions you make every minute. They're affecting whether or not you want to go to church or whether you want to be around uh, certain kinds of people. They're affecting everything, and so many of us don't know that they exist. And again, these strongholds, they come from the, the wreckage that sin causes. Now, sin is not a popular term. People don't like talking about sin. But all sin is, is any time we settle for less than God's best. That's what it is. Anytime we settle for less than what God says is best in our lives, it's sin. Now, it's also anytime someone else settles for less or chooses less than what God says is best. And they, in, they inflict that upon our lives. And so those, both of those things can affect us in deep-seated ways. You, as you're sitting here, have a stronghold. I know I do. I have things that the enemy has access to my life, and there's things that I've been wrestling through. I mean, can you think of something that you're like, I just wish I could get this out of my head. I just wish this had never happened because it just keeps coming back to mind. I just wish that I had never been born this way or that way. I just wish I had never made that decision or said those words. They're the things that sort of haunt you, and they come back over and over Again, now what are some common strongholds and where do they sort of come from? What are these issues in our lives? I, I just wrote a few down. First, comparison is a major stronghold. Some of you, you walk into a room and all you can do is look at the people around you and try to size everybody up, right? I mean, this is, this is what keeps social media running is the epidemic of comparison, right? And I've heard it said this way before that we compare our lives our failures to everybody else's, uh, their, their Facebook feed, the things that are best in their lives. And, and all, all of a sudden, we're, we're feeling like we're less than because we're seeing their best. Look, they're on the beach in Hawaii, and I'm sitting here covered in baby puke, and I just screamed at my children for 20 minutes, right? Like, this comparison thing makes us hate ourselves, right? We're seeing everybody else's highlight reel, and we just hate that our real lives are just a mess, right? Comparison shame is a major stronghold, that thing, again, that, that decision you made that you just can't get away from. Distrust for authority is a stronghold. This feeling that whenever you walk into a room, if somebody's in charge, they're obviously wicked and evil, right? Their goal, obviously, is to manipulate others and to hurt others. And so uh, this distrust of anyone in authority can be a stronghold. Body image for men and women can be a major stronghold. This is not just a woman issue. It tends to be in our culture, but men struggle with it just as much. Uh, winning can be a stronghold. Some of you are like, yep. I got to win, right? In fact, if we're all going to woo in the room, I'm going to be the loudest. Woo! I'm the winner, right? I'm going to win at wooing in the church, right? Whatever it is, you got to win at it. Uh, sexual brokenness can be a major stronghold. This is huge, right? Because we want to, we, we live in a world that's like, hey, do whatever you want with your body, right? As long as you're not hurting anybody else, it's just fine. There's no lasting damage that it causes. And I just, I hear that all the time. And then I'm like, why is it that everybody that I know has a story that they cannot get out of their heads of the first time there was something broken that happened to them sexually. I mean, you forget, oh, somebody said this thing to you at one point. Who knows what it was? You made a bad decision years ago. Who knows what that was? But you will never forget the broken parts of your sexual part of your being. Like, that's just something. There's, a, there's something there, right? That's a whole other sermon series, but there's a brokenness. Unforgiveness can be a stronghold, can't it? Right? I mean, even Jesus says this. You want to be forgiven? Well, forgive others. If you don't forgive others, then you're not going to experience forgiveness. And so there can be a deep-seated stronghold. And maybe once again, you're like, well, they don't deserve to be forgiven. So you sit here giving them power in your life with the unforgiveness that plagues your existence. Now, how do we get these strongholds? Like, where do they come from? How do we end up giving the enemy access to our lives? Why would anybody do that? Well, nobody does it on purpose. Nobody, nobody wants this to be part of your life. Like, it's not our goal, but we, we definitely make decisions that lead to these strongholds. Galatians 6, 7 says, do not be deceived, uh, which obviously he's dealing with the fact that we're being deceived, right? Like we don't realize something about our life. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the spirit from the spirit will reap eternal life. There's this idea that you can, you can sow to please the flesh, whatever you desire, whatever you feel, whatever you want in the moment, or you, can, you can sow to please the Spirit, right? 
Again, this is the difference between trying to pursue sin or the, the deception in our lives. We said the enemy speaks lies, and so we believe those lies, and then we live in sin, living in the flesh, or we live by the Spirit, trying to please God. And this belief that if it pleases God, ultimately it's going to please me. Ultimately, it's going to give me joy. It's going to give me the peace that I'm after. And so uh, some of you are like, I'm not a farmer. I don't get it. Don't, no problem. So here's simply what it means. To reap is to gather a crop. To sow is to plant seeds. So there's this idea that like throughout your life, you're reaping and sowing. And everybody in your household, they are reaping and sowing. You're essentially planting a garden together, right? You're like, it's a, it's a messy garden, right? There's weeds coming up all over the place, but like it's a garden for better or for worse. Planting and sowing. So that guy that you dated in high school, he was planting in your life. You know, that boss that you had 10 years ago that said those things to you, they were planting in your life. That choice that you made five years ago or five minutes ago was, was, a, was an act of planting in your life. And then over the course of our life, we'll start to see things pop up, right? We see things that were planted start to grow in our lives. And, and I love this idea. Hey, don't be deceived. Like, it's, it's not something that just goes away. When we choose to feed the flesh, it's something that always comes back. Like it, it's, that, it's that weed that you don't pick. If you're like me, I just go crazy with a weed whacker, you know, like that part of the yard that you just, you don't know what to do with. And so you go out there like five times every summer and you knock it all down. But in the back of your mind, you're like, I'm wasting my time because I know it's all coming back. And that's how sin is in our lives. He says, don't be deceived. God's not mocked. So the journey that we're on here today that I want you to get into is this journey of not dealing so much with the fruit, but starting to deal with the seeds. You see, that the church, oftentimes, we, we're dealing with fruit. This is a, this idea of behavior modification. We want to change how somebody acts when really their actions come from somewhere. They come from a, a deep-seated belief or a stronghold or something that's, that's seated in their hearts that comes out in the way that they live. And so we spend all this time trying to, trying to treat the behavior. This is what the Pharisees were doing in Jesus' day constantly trying to change their behavior. And Jesus says, hey, the, the outside of the cup is clean, but the inside's dirty, right? Like it looks really pretty on the outside, but it's just nastiness on the inside. That's how he described these religious leaders. And in many ways, that's how God could describe religious people in the church today. That, hey, you look beautiful. Like you're, you look all pretty clean. You walked in here today. You had your Bible. You had a smile on your face. But on the inside is some kind of stronghold that we're feeding, that we're, we continue to plant this stuff and we bang our heads against the wall and we're like, why do these weeds keep coming in, up in my life? And there's this reality that we continue to plant these things. Now, what are the seeds? If there's things that are being planted in our lives that are creating these strongholds, what are the seeds? I'm going to give you a few. The first are words. The second are pains. And the third our decisions. So words that were spoken, right? A lot of times strongholds come from words that were spoken in our lives. Uh, other things are, are pains, pains that were inflicted. Something that somebody else did or said, right? There's, there's that statement that that coach made that you're like, I, I'll never get that out of my head. I'll never get it out. That he's like, hey, you will always be a loser. You will never be as good as, as this. Like these words that that were these pains that were inflicted to us, words, wounds, pains, things that people did to us, and decisions that were wrong. Maybe it's something that you did. It's a choice that you made that you're just like, I can't get away from it. And it's deeply seated in your life, and it continues to grow. So I want you to think back right now. Just be, I want you to be really honest. I ask you to be honest today. Where is the stronghold? Where did it come from? Can you think of where it began? And now, you might have multiple. I think most of us have multiple things in our lives. We're like, man, okay, there's been this authority I've given the enemy in my life. I've literally sold a piece of property in my soul to the enemy, and, and these seeds are popping up. So I talked about sexual brokenness. And I want to be real with you. This is something, again, that, de that we deal with, that we've all dealt with. And so I was thinking in my life about when I was a kid, the first time that I encountered pornography. And I want you to think maybe everybody here might have a story like that. I just remember the first time we were at a hotel. My parents left the room. I was young. I got on the remote, started flipping channels. And I flipped over to this channel. I saw things that I'd never seen before in my life. And, and as a kid, you know, your mind just starts 
These images are just burned in your brain and your mind just starts sparking and you're just like, what's going on? And I don't know what to think. And, and then all of a sudden these, these, these words start coming into your, into your mind. You hear things like, you know, you're sick. Did you know that? You better hide this or people are going to be disgusted with you. You will never get this out of your head. And I still remember to this day, I remember that moment. I remember the images. I remember the words that came into my mind. And in that moment, there was a stronghold, a seed that was planted in my soul. Can you remember the moment? Maybe it wasn't something you did. Maybe it was something someone else did. Maybe it was a word that was spoken, some pain that was inflicted, some decisions that were wrong, and the seeds began to grow. You know, for a lot of people, these strongholds begin when you're young. We're really... uh, moldable when we're young, right? I mean, a lot is decided about the, the way our brains are, are developed when we're really young. That's why parenting is so important. That's why we're so dedicated to building healthy parents, to investing in teenagers and children at ACF, because so much happens when you're young that sets a trajectory for the rest of your life. And in many ways, we don't even know it. Maybe you remember a moment where somebody intimidated you and they made it their goal to gossip about you and to ruin your life. And it planted a stronghold of unforgiveness and defensiveness in your heart. Some of you were literally abused. You were physically abused. I'm so sorry that you went through something like that. And somebody who was supposed to love you didn't love you. And it planted a stronghold in your heart. And still to this day, you're working through that issue. Uh, in our culture, people talk a lot about a, like a father wound. Which, you know, you can, you can say what you want about that, but I think it's a legit thing that, that we live in a world where this is really a fatherless generation. People, more and more kids are growing up without dads. The world needs healthy dads, amen? Healthy dads, healthy moms. I'm a dad, so I have a heart for dads especially because I'm trying to figure that out. It's a big deal, but there's this idea that dad wasn't there. Or the dad that was there was so hurtful and so abusive. I remember the things that happened. And so you, you, you just you dig this down deep in your soul. And you plant the seed or they plant the seed and it affects the rest of your life. Now, how is this hurting the church today? How is this hurting us and affecting us? Because I really think it is. I believe this, that the hunter uses strongholds to keep us self-focused and ineffective for the kingdom. If he can keep us obsessed with the wound, we will never worry about the other wounded right? I mean, how could we? If we're just, man, we're the ones that are so wounded, how could we ever think about anybody else around us? And so the words that were spoken, the pain that was inflicted, the decisions that were wrong are shaping our lives and other people's lives in ways we never imagined, and they're affecting our ability to be effective for the kingdom of God here today. Because we still live in those words. We live in those wounds. They create division in the church, Uh, You hold back from relationships. So I'll tell you this. I still remember uh, a guy that was really influential in my life when I was in college and in high school. And and I remember being so intimidated by this guy. And I had insecurity that was the seed of insecurity in my heart. And I was so intimidated by this guy. And I just, man, I didn't know what to do with him. And, And I never confessed this issue. And like we had a friendship, but man, there was so much we could have done together that was, that was, could have been so effective for the kingdom of God. But man, I just was so intimidated by him. I remember years later, we got back together and spent a little time together and we're talking and he's like, hey, can I be real with you? And I was like, I hope so. We've known each other a long time. He's like, man, I used to be so jealous of you. And I was like, what? He goes, no, man, I just, I feel like you're good at so many different things. And I just, I, I couldn't do the things that you could do. And so I was so jealous of you. And I was like, I was so intimidated of you. And we had this like aha moment. We're like, oh my gosh. This is where the friction came from. Or this is why, you know, when, when we had opportunities maybe to, to, to work together in the church that we, we didn't do it. We resisted it. We missed out. And other people ultimately missed out because there were the, the seed in our hearts, both of us, insecurity, jealousy, that caused us not to be able to be used by God in that way. So I want you to think, what's the running narrative in your mind? And whatever the running narrative will give you sort of an idea of where the stronghold is. Maybe it's this, you're just not the smartest person. Like you do pretty well, but I mean, you're never going to be as smart as they are. Maybe it's this, you'll never look like her. And it starts to kind of identify, man, where's the stronghold? I hear this maybe over and over again. Maybe it's this, you just aren't that talented. Like you, you try hard. You give it a good effort, but you're just not that talented. You'll never be a real man. 
There's a lot of men in the room struggling with that. Like, man, I, I just, I want to I wanna know that I'm, that I'm actually doing it. You could never do what they do. You don't have anyone who cares. You can't trust anyone. You've got to get more. These are accusations. And we talked about that there, there is a hunter, there is a devil. And what does ultimately this Satan word mean? Do you remember that first week we talked about his, his name is Satan? What does Satan mean? Anybody remember? Accuser, that's right. He accuses, that's what he does. So if you notice anything about all those statements, what's the word they all began with? You. So here's what you need to know, you need to know is that the hunter always speaks in accusations. If you want to start to sniff out the hunter in your life, if you want to start to go, man, was that God? Was that me? What's going on here? Look for accusations that begin with you. Here's what you are. Here's what you do. And see, when those things come into our lives, here's what happens. It turns into this like ridiculous cycle of a stronghold. So we've got these accusations. And then you, we've got our actions. Right? So accusations. And then what happens is we hear those things enough and we start to believe them. Right? Any of us know that? You hear something enough, you start to believe it, right? And the, that belief, what it does, it starts to lead to actions. If we start to think, man, okay, I've got to get more, then I'm going to go after more. If I can't trust anyone, I'm going to resist anyone in authority, right? You don't have anyone who cares. Well, I'll start to just be abusing myself in ways that I shouldn't because I just don't think it matters anymore. So these accusations lead to actions. And then when we do those things, how do we feel? Shameful, right? We, we feel, man, how could I have acted that way or thought that or, or, or lived in that way? And so then what happens is we begin to, to hear more accusations, right? Have you been in this cycle before? This cycle is a stronghold. Have you been there? Can you think of that in your life where it's just, it's like a downward spiral in your mind. It just gets worse. So you're accused, you believe it, you act, you hear more accusations, and then you just get into this cycle of hurting yourself. Believe in an accusation, you'll begin to act like it's true, and then act like it's true, you'll hear more accusations, and then that's what you get is a stronghold. And so here's the important question. I want you to hear this, and I need you to think about it tonight. Whose words are you listening to? Whose words carry the most authority in your life? Ultimately, not just whose words, but who carries the most authority in your life. Now, now some of you are like, well, it doesn't matter because I reaped it, so I'll sow it, right? And there can almost be this like feeling of righteousness in hating ourselves. I just want you to hear this. Like, God does not want you to hate yourself. You do not honor God by walking in shame. God is not glorified by you living in your stronghold and believing the lies that are told about you every day. It doesn't please God in any way at all. Whose words are you listening to? Are you somebody who is just trying to deal with the fruit? You're like, if I can just get a handle on this behavior, I'll be okay. If I can just stop this addictive thing or, or stop living in anger and, and speaking this way to the people around me, if I could just control the, the fruit, I'll be okay. But the problem is the seed is still there. And the weeds are still there in our lives. My kids love Band-Aids. Your kids love Band-Aids? They love Band-Aids. I mean, anything's wrong, they put a Band-Aid on it. Just go through hundreds of Band-Aids. And I just remember when they were younger, like, they'd skin their knee, they'd cry, they'd go run inside, come back out with like 16 little Band-Aids on it or something like that. Way too many. And I'd always ask them the same question. It took me a while. What do you think the question was? Did you clean the wound? Of course not. Just put on more Band-Aids, right? Why do you have to clean the wound if you got Band-Aids? Band-Aids fix everything. I just want you to know, man, there are so many Band-Aids floating around. You can buy books all day long that are Band-Aids for your, for your strongholds. Books after books after books. You can get pastors who will tell you, here's the six steps to fix your issues. If you just stop, if you do these things, you'll stop your behavior, right? And then you'll be okay. But again, there's a problem that's deeply seated in our hearts. Hunters know this, if you're a hunter. When you cut yourself in the woods, it's a bad deal. 
lot of hunters, when they're cleaning an animal, they cut themselves. It's where most accidents happen in the woods is when they're taking care of an animal because there's a knife out, right? And it's a really bad situation when you're in the woods. Why? Because it's a dirty environment. And we know when you don't clean the wound, infection sets in. And you just get sicker and sicker and sicker. And the problem is it's not just you. The thing about sin in our lives is that it spreads. And the reality is what you don't allow God to transform, you will always transmit to someone else. And you can see this, maybe you, you maybe heard a story of this where someone in your life was treating you a certain way and you started digging and you found out, man, they, they've got their own wounds. This is how wounds work. This is ultimately how strongholds work is they can get passed from generation to generation to generation. I'd encourage you later, I mean, this is a whole project, but to start to talk to your parents if they're around, start to talk to your siblings. And as you start to learn where your family has come from, you'll probably find some certain threads of reality that are seen in your lives where these strongholds have been passed down from generation to generation. The question is, when does it stop? When will it stop? If you're not a Christian, what you need to hear today is that Christians aren't people who think they've figured life out. They aren't people who have just simply figured out how to fix their problems or control their behavior. What we've done is we've acknowledged that there's a war for our hearts. And we've beat our heads against the wall so much that we've realized that we can't find the solution to our problems within ourselves. That's what we are, are people who are admitting that, that we try to find these solutions and just we can't fix it. D.A. Carson, he says it this way. I love this quote. He said, if God had perceived that our greatest need was economic, he would have sent an economist. If he had perceived that our greatest need was entertainment, he would have sent a comedian or an artist. If God had perceived that our greatest need was political stability, he would have sent us a politician. If he had perceived that our greatest need was health, he would have sent us a doctor. But he perceived that our greatest need involved our sin, our alienation from him, our profound rebellion, our death, and he sent us a savior. Amen to that. So there's got to be a better way than simply putting band-aids on our wounds. Would you believe that God still sets people free? Would you believe that tonight, that God still does this and that the things that you've carried with you your whole life, God still wants to work in? Would you believe that the gospel really says that, that your wounds will be healed? Isaiah says that by the stripes of Christ, you will be healed. So the promise is there. And what you need to know is that if it's not today, it's coming for those who are in Christ. That the redemption of your soul and ultimately God will make all wrongs right. So you can trust him with that person that wounded you. Listen to me. You can trust God to enact justice. We serve a just God. You don't have to carry that burden. You can let that go. You can let that person go. And so here's what begins to happen. When you start to believe this, Whenever you involve the cross in your life, the reality that Christ conquered sin, he conquered death, you are a new creation, the old is gone, the new is come in Christ Jesus, you are not who you used to be. When you believe that, these accusations turn into declarations. Okay? And we just want to be courageous enough. Give me one word. What does God say about you? Give me a word. Loved, chosen, known, redeemed. I love that, forgiven. Just look at that list for a minute. This is what Christ says. And here's what begins to happen. This is so cool. Like when, when, you, when we begin to get this, and I'm trying to get this in my life, is that these accusations turn into declarations. You are loved, you are chosen, you are known, you are redeemed, you are clean. You are not what's been done to you or what you've done. These declarations, here's the thing. You don't have to believe them. You can go on living your life and act like they're not there. But once you do, those declarations will turn into actions. Promise you. It all comes back to what you believe, right? It talks about the renewing of our minds. This idea that God wants to change the way we think. He really does. And reprogram our minds so that we can believe new things about us. And then what happens is the, that belief that we're loved, we're chosen, we're known, we're redeemed, we're forgiven, turns into different actions. Do you know that you'll treat your kids different when you believe that? Do you know that you'll treat your family different, your friends different, 
Do you know that you'll treat yourself different when you believe that? When you see the deep-seated intrinsic value handed to you by Jesus Christ, the God of the universe, and believe that, you can't help but, but embrace the, the good things in your life and start to, it, this isn't just love yourself because you're good. You're not good. Christ is good. And so when you embrace that, you go, man, that can't be stolen from me because I'm going to still screw up, but Christ never does. And so I just, I want this so bad for our church because I think that it can be, instead of a cycle that goes down into the, just the depths of despair, God can cycle us up into this place of hope and joy and peace. And ultimately, he can do it in such a way that our city is transformed. That it's not this thing we're trying to force, but man, like people who've been redeemed who believe that stuff cannot keep their mouth shut about the gospel. Promise you that. Like you can't stop talking about it because it's like it's such a big deal. And so then those actions change. And what happens is you start to hear those declarations. If you're a church person, you're like, Brian, I know that, whatever. Like it's in there. It's in the Bible somewhere. No, no, you, you don't hear it. You don't hear it because if you look at your life, you can see in the sin that we pursue, the flesh that we pursue, the areas of our life where we don't believe God. Trust me, I know this. I get up here and preach. And I say all kinds of things. But here's the secret journey in the depths of my heart is I get off this stage and I go, God, would you just help me to believe half of what I just said? And again, like in an intellectual level, I believe it, right? Like I'm saying things I believe, but if you were to take an audit of my life, you could find parts of this that I do not believe yet. But I'm asking God to. And I believe that he, he still wants to implant those things in my heart, to plant those seeds in my soul. And when those seeds start to grow, you see this beautiful thing emerge. And that's what God is doing in the church. Romans eight thirty three. man, this brings us so much hope. Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. No one can condemn you. You are set free. The slate is clean. You can never be accused of anything because Jesus on the cross knew what he was buying when he died for you. He knew it years and years ago. From the beginning of time, he knew what he was buying on the cross. And so you never surprise him what you do, with what you do. We all think like that. We wake up one day and we're like, all right, I think I went too far. <laughs> that was, I know God's got big shoulders, but man, that's, that was a mess. And Jesus is like, I knew about it all. I knew about every bit of it. Every drop of blood that was spilled was for that moment. So you never surprise God. So then what happens is the narrative changes in your mind. The story starts to change and you hear, oh, you're not the smartest person. And God's like, well, I live in you. And it turns out that I'm omniscient and know all things. And so guess what? You're the wisest person around because <laughs> I live inside of you. You hear, you'll never look like her, and God speaks in your ear, ear, and he says, what I call beautiful is beautiful. And you begin to embrace that. You hear, you'll never be a real man. God speaks in your ear. I've planted strength and confidence in your soul, and no one can take that from you. You hear, you don't have anyone who cares, and God says, I cared all the way to the cross. Every footstep I cared. So it's time to call out the lies and the accusations. It's time to believe as a church family that God still sets people free, that he still does this, that you don't have to live under the tyranny of the lies anymore. And ultimately, I don't know that we realize the weight of what we do when we believe these lies. I don't think we realize this, that by believing that we're still dirty, shameful, unloved, unworthy, or irreparable, we declare that the cross wasn't violent enough to raise us to life that we're still dead in the ground, that we are not what Christ says we are, and we declare that the cross, there should have just been one more beating. It just would have taken just a little bit more violence against Christ to cover what I am. None of us would want to say that, but by living in the lies, it's exactly what we declare. It's that Christ, the cross should have been more violent. So how do we fight? Because we can. It's very simple. It's not, a, not 10 steps, not 20 steps. It's just this. We ask the Spirit daily to captivate our thoughts with the truth. Just wake up every day. We say, there's something in my soul that believes the lies. God, I need you to captivate my thoughts with things that are true. This is the idea of taking thoughts captive. And you can't do it. 
You need the spirit of God. You can't stir up enough belief in God on your own. God literally gives you the belief you have. Okay, so none of it is on you. None of it is by you or because of you. We don't simply work harder. We submit to God. We plead for his grace. Romans 8, 6 says, the mind governed by the flesh is death. We have been there before, haven't we? I've been there, right? I see the death coming out of my life, right? My mind's covered by the, by the flesh, and so I'm planting seeds of the flesh, and so death comes out of my life. But the mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. So what do you ruminate on? What do you think about? What narratives do you allow to reside in your minds? That's the question tonight. Because the way you think, it's so important. And I love how, you know, modern science is catching up with the Bible. I mean, this has been years of uh, the Bible saying, hey, renew your mind. The way you think determines everything about your life. And we're just starting to catch up with this reality that you have to capture your thoughts. See, your thoughts are like water flowing through a valley. What we know is that water, when it flows through a valley, it it digs, right? It creates certain, certain passageways. It cuts the land to make it easier to flow. And so the hard work that we want to do as a church family is to think on things that are true, to allow God to, to change the neural pathways in our mind and to let them flow towards the truth about what God says about us instead of the accusations that the enemy makes about us. This is the journey that we're on. So we kind of been talking about hunting through this series and I'm a hunter and this may be a little weird or gross, but when you shoot an animal, there's a moment that you have with the animal where the animal's going from this life into the next. It's kind of weird. I remember when my dad, this one time, like we came up to this white-tailed deer and it was like in the middle of this whole thing. Not a beautiful, beautiful sight. And I'm like, dad, what's going on? And he goes, son, that's just called a death rattle. It's just like kind of sound that it's making is it's like passing from this life to the next. I'm like, well, that's kind of gross, right? Tried to kind of scare me. And this image came to my mind as I was thinking about where we stand in this point in human history. That here we stand in this moment where Christ has come, conquered sin and death, yet we continue to battle with sin. And there's death everywhere. And we keep coming back to this idea that the kingdom is here. That you don't have to wait for heaven or wait to die to experience his grace, but God wants to give it to you right now. And that we believe that he will heal every wound and that one day he will return and establish his kingdom fully on earth as it is in heaven. That's our vision. That's what God says. But here in the fight right now, as we look at the pain and the struggle and the issues and the strongholds in our lives, what you need to realize is that these strongholds, all they are is just a death rattle for the devil. He knows he's done. He knows he's dead. He knows he's moving on and yet he still wants to take a pound of flesh and Jesus says, no, she's mine. He's mine. I paid everything for them. So what you need to know is that you may not be strong enough, but Christ is fighting for you. He's fighting for you. So would you stand up here today? As you think about this in your life, um, the strongholds that might exist and the things that, places maybe that the enemy's been at work in your life, did you identify something? Because, I mean, I know I, I know I did. So I'm just I'm curious, like in the room, would you just right now be courageous enough to just lift a hand and say, I have a, a stronghold in my life. Would you just be willing to do this? Okay. So we're going to do something for a moment. I want us to pray together. And as a family, here's what we believe is that I honestly believe you may be one prayer away from freedom in your life. Do you believe that? Do you believe that you can actually leave here today, that God could do something tonight in your heart that could set you free? Do you believe that? Well, whether you receive this or not will determine whether you believe that, because what I want to do is just have you get prayed for. We're gonna, we don't do this often in our church. Some of you are like, this is going to be awkward. Relax. But what I want you to do is if you have a stronghold in your life, if you raise your hand, we're going to move around in the room here for a second. And actually, if you put this prayer on, my screen, on the screen here, would you put this up? Maybe you're here and you're like, I don't know how to pray, Brian. Good news. Here it is. This is not magic words. This has power because if you're a believer, the Spirit of God lives inside of you. 
When you trust him, you pray for people, amazing things happen. And so we're going to take like three minutes. What I want you to do is if you would be willing to receive prayer, would you sit down here in just a minute? I'm not going to have you do it quite yet. And if you would be willing to pray, okay, I want you to move. I want you to find somebody and just pray for the person. You don't have to know anything. You don't have to know a name, but just pray for them. And so I'm just going to have you right now. If you'd receive prayer, would you just sit down? We're going to do this together. Go, go ahead. Hey, ACF Online. We're so excited that you're joining us this week. Right now, you're going to have to move around. Pastor Brian is inviting people in the room to stand up if they have a stronghold in their life that they would like broken. And all of us are going to gather around them and pray for them. But for those of you online, we want to challenge you as well not to do this alone. So right now, if you feel like you have a stronghold, we want to encourage you to text somebody, email somebody, or give somebody a call. But if you don't feel comfortable with that, can I just pray for you right now? Heavenly Father, we just thank you so much that you are the God who breaks down strongholds. We thank you that you are powerful and mighty and that you promise to be with us. We thank you that there is nothing on this earth that is too big for you, Lord God. And so I pray for the person right now that's watching this, that is wrestling through a stronghold in their life. I pray, God, that you would show your might in their life, that you would give them the excitement and the bravery to step out and to say, I'm done with this stronghold. I'm not going to do this anymore. God, I pray that you would move mightily to bring a community around them and that you would bless them with just the willpower to do the hard thing. God, we thank you that you promise to be with us and that you will never be defeated. And I pray that over this person right now, Lord God, that you would just be with them and you would give them that confidence to know that you are victorious. And they don't fight this fight from a place of uncertainty. They fight it from a place of victory. So God, we lift this up to you. We praise you for being all that you are. And we pray this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. We love you, ACF. continue to pray. If you didn't get prayed for and you just want some prayer, uh, there's people around the room. If you're here today and you'd be willing to pray, would you just stay for a minute afterwards tonight and just maybe sit on the, stay on the, on the edges here and, uh, and we're going to, we're going to pray for people. You can go into the prayer room in the corner. Um, honestly, you guys have way more guts than I thought you did. So everybody raised their hand. And so we just didn't have enough people to pray. Praise God for that. Um, man, I'm so thankful for just the honesty in this room. Praise God for just authenticity. I mean, don't you want a church of people that are just humans? Don't you want to be a part of a church where you're just, we're figuring this out together? That's just so awesome. So I wasn't sure how this was going to go, but praise God for just the chance to pray with one another. It's so beautiful. Here's what I want to do. I want us to stand up together, and if you're still praying, feel free. Just, just keep praying. But I want us to declare something that's true here tonight together. And uh, this is Psalm 27. This, this text has been in my mind just as we move forward. And it speaks about strongholds, but the truth is, for the strongholds that have been there that are rooted in sin in your life, there can also be strongholds that are rooted in the truth, in Jesus. So here's what we're going to do. We're gonna, I want us to speak this together. I want us to read this, these words out loud together. And so this is Psalm 20, 27, verse 1 and 2. It says this. Let's read it together. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. 
of whom shall I be afraid? Amen to that. Would you bow your heads and let me pray for all of us. Jesus, thank you that um, you are still setting people free, God, that you are still healing. Um, God, that we all walked in here with burdens, but you want us to leave lighter. And God, I just pray that for all of us, we'd receive your grace here tonight and believe that you're still doing an incredible work in the world, God. The places we thought could have never been healed, Father, we believe that you still want to heal those things. And um, God, ultimately the journey is of healing. I want to pray for the man or woman here tonight that showed up with no faith. Maybe today could be the day that they take a step to say, Jesus, I trust you. God, maybe this one thing in their life was the thing keeping them from trusting you. Maybe tonight could be the night that they just let it go and trust you with that moment or that pain or that word or that decision that happened years ago. Love you. Thank you for the church. We thank you that this is a safe place for us to grow together, to learn about your grace. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hey, so here's what we're going to do. It is baptism night. And so, um, yeah, we love baptism. It's an amazing thing. And if you don't know what baptism is, it's a first step of obedience for anybody that puts their faith in Jesus. And um, it's also, for many people, something they do way down the road because they just never got around to it. And so maybe you're here tonight and you're really praying that God would set you free and you've never been baptized. Uh, What we want to do is baptize you tonight. We've got everything you need in the lobby. We've got t-shirts and, I mean, everything you can imagine to to get baptized tonight, even if you weren't planning planning for it. But baptism is just a way of going public and and saying, Jesus is my Savior and his grace is sufficient for my weakness. That's what you're saying. It is not a declaration of perfection. Otherwise, none of us would get baptized. It's just saying, I'm not perfect, but Jesus was. And, uh, and he's enough for me. And so, um, Jesus got baptized. So I just always figure if it's good enough for Jesus, it's good enough for us. And, uh, and so this is a chance for you to do this. If you've never been baptized, or maybe you're baptized as an infant and you didn't make that decision on your own, and you feel convicted that you want to make that decision, we'd love to baptize you as well. And so um, during the next song, I'd encourage you to just walk straight out to the lobby. You have everything you need there. And uh, we'd just love to baptize you in a minute. Thanks for watching this message from ACF Church. Uh, We hope it's encouraged you and challenged you to be more like Jesus and to walk with him in a closer and more profound way. If you'd like to give to the mission of ACF Church, you can do so at the link on the screen or at acfak.org. We love you and we'll see you next week.